So <clears throat> before we uh, get into the story of Nicodemus, uh, you know, just that reminder uh, that uh, Bob, Bob and I were chatting just before the service, and he said about, you know, certainly I don't have any stress or I don't have any concern, you know, when I present, you know, it might look so casual. And I said, yeah, well, in the middle of my preparing for this sharing, I'm reminded by the video that I'm a dirty-minded man, okay? Dirt, dirt people of the natural man. I am, and I'm presenting something that we, you know, is supposed to be the spiritual. So in the very step of stepping up and opening the word and looking at scripture and sharing it, uh, it's a very humbling, struggling point, okay? And so, yeah, I get concerned, and I just pray, uh, as I'll share later, for a totally different reason, that the Holy Spirit is greater than any of my failings, okay? So I can completely blow it today. <clears throat> if you've read Jesus' words and go out the door, the Holy Spirit can take anything I said and make you forget it or whatever. Now, I'm not claiming that casually, but I'm saying to you, I'm coming to you from that point of humility where I'm going to tell you that none of us can really rightly interpret Scripture totally and really rightly apply it and really say what Jesus wanted us to say, even though we, we try to do that and we sense it and we, we feel his direction and so forth. It still has to be approached where the weight's on you to look at the Scripture and make sure it says what we're thinking about today. So having said that, let's bring <clears throat> John 3, 1 to 22 up. I printed it out on my sheet because it's too small in my Bible to read. By the way, there's a, <clears throat> there's a concerning observation to me. <clears throat> so this has been my Bible for um, maybe 12, 15 years. I have a fair amount of highlighting in it. At one point in life, I gave it to a friend, uh, Shepard Bilal. Maybe, maybe some of you might know, have known Bilal. Yeah. Uh, who was here a time or two back in the day and was part of Mosaic Presents. I was talking about this morning. And after his death and passing, uh, which I was there when they pulled his plug, uh, I ended up being given my Bible back by another one of his friends. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it really, it's meaningful and special to me, right? Mm -hmm. The problem is, I opened it the other night again to, to use it for this particular look, and the, the print is fading. <laughs> I didn't know that did it. It really is fading. I really think it is. It's not just my eyes. And my highlighting is fading. And it reminds me, too, that I have to be constantly in the Word, of the Word, so that if it fades from my book or whatever, uh, I'm still familiar with it. Having said that, I printed it out. <clears throat> now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And remember, that was an argument among the leaders. You know, so some of them were saying, well, this certainly must be of God because he's healing people. How can it not be of God? Uh, but they were still questioning him being more than just a teacher. And Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And you know, we're told from that verse that it, but he wasn't really asking that. He was using the, the, almost the comedy of the absurd, you know? No, it's, come on, what are you saying? I mean, how could it be, you know, that someone old and big and whatever like me could possibly, okay? Uh, and we'll get back to that concept of rebirth in a little bit after we're done with the scriptural portion here. Jesus answered, <clears throat> truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born of water 
and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. We could argue about what that means, water and spirit, because there are different points of view about that. Uh, there are a, a certain percentage of people, theologians, who look at this as a water. The water breaks and then the baby's born. So maybe it's the, the reference to the human birth. Uh, or then there's those that think it's more, more relating to baptism. And then finally, the preponderance is that it has more to do with purification, with the washing of our sins from us by our renewal in the Spirit. But either way, <clears throat> it's by water and Spirit instead of that physical birth. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And we, it's a, it's a great scientific thing, you know, for kids to learn about and, and to realize that, yes, you can prove things. Yes, you can have things in your hand. Yes, you can quantify things. You can study cause and effect. But there always has been, always will be a whole set of questions that science won't be able to answer. And once they get done answering everything else, which they're answering a lot of things now, you know, a lot of studies and so forth, there's no way they can really, really prove anything about the beginning without taking something by faith. Either their scientific data, the beginning of it, is still extrapolating back to a point where they say something happened. Uh, but the point is that when it comes to what we can understand as man, there will always be things that we can't that proves to us there has to be something spiritual. Nicodemus said to him, <clears throat> how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? And I don't really know what Jesus was thinking there. I wonder what Jesus was thinking sometimes. In other words, Jesus knew that he wouldn't understand. Jesus knew that he had a finite, you know, carnal mind. <clears throat> uh, but I think he was not teasing, but he was kind of prodding a little bit to say, okay, wait a minute, you're the learned people. And now you're admitting that you can't understand. So now pay attention to me. Let, let's, let's talk then, you know. Uh, truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. And that's, that started way in the beginning where he said you were a teacher. If he believed, if he saw the miracles, if he understood what Jesus said and believed it, he would see that he was the Messiah. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And that's just, wow, that's just a statement of truth. I mean, it's, I mean, it's the same with me every day. It has to be with you. I mean, we have it in front of us. We see it in front of us. We have experiences in our lives where he did it. And yet, I'm still that dirt man. I'm still not totally sanctified. I'm justified. We'll talk about that a little bit. I'm righteous in his sight, even though I'm going to sin again tomorrow. But I still struggle with that, and so that, that's what it is. I still have a hard time believing heavenly things. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And it's curious to me that in some of the reading that I did of different versions for this scripture today, <clears throat> there were parentheticals for the portion above this verse, and there were no parentheticals below it. In looking at the red letter version, just to see what the, some of the third party sources, it's all red. And so whether or not these were words to Nicodemus or words discussed in another way with him or just statements of Jesus, 
Either way, they're here, and we're going to assume that they were two Nicodemus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And that's basically the definition of our being justified through Christ's blood. Uh, and I have a hard time with anybody who says you can lose your salvation because it didn't depend on what I did. It didn't depend on what I said. It didn't really depend on even my deeper understanding of theology. It, it was based on that third grader and fifth grader, that, that level of a child of accepting and believing at that level and then living beyond. What does that mean about somebody who accepted Christ as a five-year-old and shoots 10 people on a Walmart. I'm sorry, but in my theology, they're going to be in heaven. They're not going to be that same person. They're not going to be oppressed by the mental illness or whatever it was that caused it. And God didn't cause it. But in order for me to have freedom to choose, there had to be sin and choice in the world. And that disease comes with some of these hardships. So it's hard, but I know that there is a lot of argument among Christian people about whether a person can be saved and still not really have fruit. And we could argue about that. We could talk about that. Because there should be some fruit. There should be progress. There should be renewal. There should be guilt. There should be going back in, in case. And sometimes we don't see it. But sometimes it's there and we didn't see it. So whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. I'll just pause for a minute, because I'm sorry, but I still love some of the work of darkness. Light. I don't want to. I don't try to. But I still am a, a natural man in a state where I'm justified, but not totally sanctified, and I still am struggling to do right things. And I say that rather openly, because... If we live thinking we can live without any sin, we will always be depressed about our state. Mm -hmm. If we live realizing that we are forgiven every sin, we're given power to triumph, we're given power to avoid it again, we're giving, we're giving power to have a fleeting sexual thought but not act mentally on it, or see what I mean? If we understand that's part of being this dirt creature while we grow spiritual, it's a much better state to be in as we, we face God. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. If you come back to the light, even after you have failed God, that should be a, a, a giant flame of hope within you that says, you know what? I don't have to doubt my salvation. If I wasn't saved, I wouldn't feel guilty. If I wasn't saved, I wouldn't be trying not to do that. If I wasn't saved, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have this, this compulsion to find people to be accountable to or whatever. Uh, so, But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may clearly be seen that, this, that, that his works have been carried out in God. We've come to the light today. Okay. In other words, coming to a follower, a group of followers of Christ is part of that coming back into the light that refreshment, that renewal, coming back to accountability, coming back to somebody else breaking the word instead of just our understanding it, uh, coming back, and I like the fact that we have various people sharing. That's good because God can work in the spirit for different people different ways. Uh, and I'm more sensitive to certain things than somebody else might be, and that's good because you know we can share different things and the spirit can work in different ways. So we're going to watch the video in just a few minutes.
But I want to go ahead and I want to give you some heads up. I watched the thing probably at least six times uh, in the course of, of preparing, okay, for today. <clears throat> and uh, I want to go ahead and make a confession right now. No, I don't. I'm going to make my confession later. <laughs> but, but what I want to do is I want to give you my notes so that you can be looking for them. They're going to be there. They're going to smack you in the face. And they're going to, but there's so many of them, okay? It's hard to catch all the things that matter. And as part of my thinking today, these are the things that matter. Just a little backdrop. As followers of Christ, we've been reborn. If you accepted Christ as your Savior, you don't have to seek rebirth in the truest sense of the word. You have been reborn, okay? But we need to be more like the reborn individual that we were at first as we worked through life. We are justified. I already mentioned that. Uh, that means we are totally forgiven. Uh, and now we just deal with trying to be more Christ-like every day. Uh, only after I die... I mean, Cheryl's Aunt Janet, right? <clears throat> she was definitely... A dark creature. Now, what do, I don't mean that in a mean way. I just mean she was, she was, you know, she might gossip a little bit here and there. You know, she might make a comment about the heavy person walking by. I mean, she might, but she's not anymore. She is sanctified. She is with the Lord, not having any tendency to do those dirt people things, those natural things that focus on me as opposed to them. And that's just a reminder that that's where we're, that's where we're headed in our relationship with God. Until then, we're always going to have to have some reminders. We're going to always have to remember that we were reborn. Communion is such a reminder. When we have communion, we are not just reminded about Christ dying, not just about him shedding his blood and his body being broken, but it's that he did those things for us, and we received them, and we, we grasped him as our Savior and allowed him to save us, and we were reborn. And so when I take that juice and I, I eat that bread, I'm intentionally trying to remember that not only did he, fantastic, not only did he for me, fantastic, but I can mark it in the sand that I was reborn from my natural man in the kindergarten class of Miss Nellie in Canton, Pennsylvania. And from there on, I have all kinds of ups and downs, but they have to do with rebirth falling, coming back, and that's some of what we're going to talk about today. Canton, Pennsylvania, C-A-N-T-O-N. It's an interesting story. We lived in a mansion. I was the pastor's kid. The church was on the first floor, the parsonage was second floor, and they rented out the third floor. It's still there today. So. All right, here are my notes from the video. Just sentences. Adam and Eve were made of dirt. The animals were made of dirt, but Adam and Eve were called to be much more. Jesus is what opens the door to our becoming spiritual beings instead of dirt people. We are transformed by his love and his life, and of course especially by his death and resurrection. We will become as Jesus was after his resurrection. That's a little bit hard to grasp, but if you remember those verses about Jesus had been resurrected, and he was sort of spiritual, he was sort of physical. They could see us, and they could put their hand in, but he was able still to go to heaven. We will become like that in the sense that we're able to live in heaven and earth. Jesus is the new human. He's the model of what we are called to become. This one blows me away. Our imaginations are transformed. My imagination is at the core of my cerebral whatever it is, okay? In other words, this is what acts out a sin in my eyes, but the imagination of what I can do, what I can, you know, we can be terribly creative 
on thinking of ways to sin or deceiving ourselves into thinking something isn't a sin or deceiving ourselves it's just being the dirt man again I got no control okay now see that's a, that's, that's a sin because now what I've done is I've taken advantage of the fact that I'm not sanctified and I've kind of teased myself into thinking I can do this or that uh, spiritual thing but our imaginations are transformed in this world uh, there are lies and there are corresponding truth that, that we want to learn from this video some of the lies are some humans are better than others Right now, in the Ukraine and Russia, the Russian president has determined, he and whoever's in power, that their lives are more important and worth more than the Ukrainian lives. All across the globe, there are people groups that think they are worth more than the others. In our country, there are still people that think that as a white person, their lives are more valuable than a person of color. It's, it's everywhere around us. It's a basic building block, as some of these other lies are. The scriptures teaching us know that all, all humans are created in the image of God. Uh, power comes through force, and we see that all around us. We see that from bullying in preschool, which amazes me. It amazes me that you can go to preschool, and some kids will be bullying others, some kids will be biting others, not just kids' stuff, but, I mean, they've learned it, see, because it's their, it's their, it's their upbringing. But from, the, from that until the nursing home, I've seen it. I've seen the high-rises where there's one person on the floor that's more outspoken, gossips more, and controls things, okay? All humans, uh, but power does not come through forcing on others. Real power requires sacrifice and generosity. Peace comes through violence, and that's the very definition of war. Hard conversation, because if we go back to the Old Testament, what did God do? God used force at that point in history to cleanse kill some of those that had rejected him and establish his kingdom. Long conversation we can't have here. But the point is, the New Testament teaches us plainly that peace that comes through violence is not peace. That's not what it is. It's peace for the winners and mayhem and, and difficulty for the losers. The truth is that true peace comes from the unselfish giving of love. In our future, we will be liberated to love God and to love our neighbor. Uh, we'll have a new beginning and Jesus and a new humanity ruling in heaven together. Now we're going to go ahead and watch the video. I'm going to go ahead and open it up after the video for a few minutes of reflection. So in other words, <clears throat> something pops into your mind as you watch it. Uh, I'm going to ask that we keep it brief so we can keep, keep moving. Uh, but yeah, so let's watch the video and, and make a couple mental notes of your own. In the story of the Bible, there are two realms. The earth, where we live, and the heavens, where God lives. And we've been talking about the spiritual beings, the Elohim, the divine council, angels and cherubim, the Satan and demons. And the last character we want to focus on is humanity. Now humans aren't spiritual beings. In Genesis 1 and 2, they're made of the dirt, like the animals. But notice that God calls humans to become something more. He elevates them to live and rule in Eden, the place where heaven and earth are one and they're invited to eat from the tree of life. And what does that mean, to eat of the tree of life? Well, it's an image of receiving God's own eternal life into yourself. It's about a whole new kind of existence. So wait, physical beings living forever, how could that even work? Well, somehow, sharing in God's life transforms our bodies so that we can inhabit heaven and earth at the same time. And it also transforms our imaginations so that we learn how to rule the world like God in the power of love. This is an amazing calling, but humanity is quickly deceived. 
by a spiritual rebel. Yes. He lies to the humans, saying that they can rule and get eternal life on their own terms. And God exiles all of them from the garden. They're cut off from the source of true life. Evil and death now have power over us, and we live in a world of fear, self-preservation, and violence. But God promises that one day a human will come to defeat evil and death at their source and to open up a new way to a reunited heaven and earth. And this promise reaches its fulfillment in Jesus. Right, when we're introduced to Jesus, he's a human, but he's also way more. Yeah, we're told that in Jesus, God and humanity have become one so that he can restore the rest of humanity to its lost calling. And Jesus was tested by that same deceptive spiritual being, not in a garden, but out in the wilderness. Yeah, it tells Jesus the same lie. You could rule the whole world right now if you come under my authority and do things my way. But Jesus knew that that lie leads to death. So he rejected it and was victorious over the spiritual power of evil. And so then Jesus started announcing that God's heavenly rule was arriving here on earth through him. And so he went around confronting the power of death in his healings and his exorcisms. Jesus was opening the way back to eternal life, to rule with God and become new humans. Yes, he also confronted our imaginations by teaching how corrupt spiritual powers enslave whole communities with their lies. Lies like, my tribe is superior to your tribe. But Jesus said every human is an image of God. Or the lie that power comes through force. While Jesus taught that real power requires sacrifice and generosity. Or the lie that peace comes through violence. While he said that true peace comes through self-giving love. This is a new kind of humanity. Yeah, a humanity transformed by God's life and his love. And Jesus didn't just talk about these ideals, he lived them out. Yeah, exactly. He brought God's heavenly kingdom to Jerusalem to confront the powers. In fact, that's what got him arrested. Well, so maybe the way of Jesus can't win over evil. But from Jesus' point of view, his coming death was actually a battle. A battle? Yeah, not against humans, but against the real enemy, the spiritual powers that enslave us through their lies. Jesus gave his life and let evil do its worst. But God's love has the power to create life, even out of death. That's what happened when Jesus rose from the dead. And the risen Jesus is human, but a new kind of human. Yeah, when Jesus' followers met him alive from the dead, he had a transformed body that could live in heaven and earth at the same time. He's like a new category of human, one that can live and rule with God forever. Jesus is the new humanity that we're called to become. Right. He said that all authority in heaven and earth belongs to him. And then he sent out his followers to announce that his eternal life is available to us now in the present. We can experience eternal life now? Well, Jesus said that eternal life is knowing this God of love so that our imaginations can be transformed as we're liberated to love God and to love our neighbor. And we trust that even if we die, God's love will transform our bodies and raise us up into the new creation. And that's how the story of the Bible ends. Yeah, the ending is a new beginning with Jesus and the new humanity ruling in a united heaven and earth together. If you had to start life over again, no choice, okay? You have to start life over again as someone or something other than yourself, 
What or who would you be or how would you want to be different than you are right now and why? So if we got really deep about this, okay, sometimes my answer might reflect something about my past that I'd like to avoid, okay? I mean, there's some things that happened to me in life that if I could change being there at that time, you keep it simple. they would be different. Okay? Well, I don't, I, no, I'm not telling you you should have gone here. I'm saying if we got deep about it, we'd, we'd come up with some of those, okay? Uh, or it might be, in my case, the half inch. It might be something just that I wish was true about my life that wasn't, that somehow I think I have a place of value on. Uh, or maybe, maybe I thought, I look back and I think, well, yeah, I would want to avoid that, but then I think, but I learned something because of that, and now I'm able to do certain things because of that. So I might, I might think I'd want to change it, but not want to change it. Uh, and then there are other experiences that have generated new people in my life. So in other words, because I was that, I had people in my life. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't know you. I wouldn't, you know, be so many. So <clears throat> in some ways, it kind of may focus us to put a value on uh, you know, what we are and how we've become and that some of those negatives and difficulties and challenges were, were part of that and some of them were failures uh, and uh, it, it's interesting so, so I'm going to give you another question now <clears throat> and uh, I'm going to ask you not to share the answer to this question or not to talk about the answer to this question to anybody because I want you to go as deep as you want to but not any more deeper than you have to I don't want you to hurt because you go deep so in other words uh Every time I would go pick up Aunt Janet and go to Pate's store out in Belleville, we drove down this road and up the other side, and that's the very spot that my next to the youngest sister died in a car accident when she was 26. <coughs> two babies in the back seat, by the way, two girlfriends in the front seat. The babies lived, the two moms died. Okay. I don't want to relive that. Okay? So there are certain things in life that, that I am challenged by now, and so here's question two, okay? And this is just for thought not to share, okay? Uh, think of a time in life when you hit a breaking point, you're at the end of your rope, maybe you were depressed and without hope. You might have been suicidal, but I don't, it doesn't have to be that deep. But you can. But I want you to think about when you recovered from that and renewed from that, what types of things helped you? What types of things helped you get from the point of hurt and no hope and difficulty to the place where you're beyond that, whether you're totally recovered from it or whether you're at least at a point in life where you can function and not avoid it. Eventually, I had to commit that, forgive that driver of that truck to the Lord so that I could at least drive by that spot and not have anger. <clears throat> took a long time, all right? But... Now, what was it that helped me get to that point? That's my question for you. Do you so, instructions for people right now who are listening to you who are in the middle of one of those things right now that aren't fasting yet? Don't pick that one. Pick one from before. Okay. Okay? So pick, pick a hurt which you recovered from or in your past, but now you're beyond at least to the point of functionality. Okay? And say to yourself, <clears throat> what are some of the things that helped me get to this point? Okay? So in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to share some of those things without sharing what it was, okay? So you're not going to say my sister, my car, my whatever, but you're just going to say whether it was, you know, these five things would what, what help you. So think for just a minute <clears throat> about that difficulty, that challenge, that hurt, 
that disappointment, that whatever it was, and it's past now, and you're functionally living beyond that in the spirit, renewed and feeling good about life as it is now, what are some of the things that have helped you at least get this far? I, I wrote down a list of likely answers, uh, and I think we've got them all. Uh, I added the word uh, resilience, spiritual resilience, uh, which is just another way of saying all those things we shared built into our life and a familiarity with them and a readiness to apply them, because that's what resilience is. We'll talk about that in a little bit, a little bit. But uh, one thing I noticed nobody mentioned was primal scream therapy. Uh, you know, have you ever heard of primal scream therapy? Scream. There was a there was a guy, a scientist named Arthur Janov, J-A-N-O-V, in the 1970s. Uh, and the only reason I came to know about this guy is uh, I don't know if I ever told you about my book. Uh, 1,000 Ways to Get fire, Fired as a Youth Pastor and the One that Worked for Me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I literally had notes for a lot of years, and then I threw them away because I realized too many people had to die before I could publish uh, because of statutes of limitations. And uh, so, yeah, so one time I sent uh, a work group, you know, teens working, you know, in faith-related things and, you know, hands-on and with older guys, mentoring, all kinds of good stuff. So I sent this group of, of uh, older men and younger guys, including my son Andrew, to a, a Christian camp uh, to do a work project, okay? So they came home, and I heard these stories that, unfortunately, this Christian camp also uh, rented out to the county, who had some non-biblical events happening there, and they had a, a counseling therapy weekend retreat where people would come with very, you know, difficult mental problems, not uh, physically, mental, biologically, uh, but depression and things that, that were maybe of a lighter nature. And they were participating uh, in primal screen therapy. What did that mean? That, <clears throat> that meant that <clears throat> my son and these other teens and these men were working on playground equipment. And over there under the tree were these several people, multiple of this happening all at the same time, uh, and they would lay the person down, they would curl them up in a fetal ball, you know, the baby position, they would cover them with a blanket, and they would hold them in the blanket, and the person would scream and gradually be released from the blanket as if they were reborn, okay? And as they were doing this, they were also doing some things they were counseled to do. They were reliving painful experiences having to do with their childhood or their upbringing. Now, I don't want to make light of it, although it was totally discredited. It is not a good way to counsel. But it does have some good points to it that I want to share in just a minute. But the key is that what they were doing is, and so this just totally freaked out <laughs> my teens and my helpers. <laughs> they, they immediately, they were smart enough. I wasn't with them. They were smart enough to abandon that project and go find the camp people and get an indoor project and then we, we debriefed after they got home, you know, and I explained to them, you know, what was going on and, and you know, how, what it was meant to be and what it wasn't and what it looked like, you know. Uh, but the key is, there's a couple things about primal scream therapy, although it was totally wacko, that they had right. Uh, and, I, and I wrote them down. I just have to find them here. <clears throat> they had the, the concept of healing a deep wound. What they were saying was that if you have repressed childhood memories or if you have abandonment issues that were based on childhood abandonment or if you have issues that have to do with abuse as a child, it's deep, all right? 
It isn't like Bob made fun of my shirt, and now I have to confront Bob about being mean. And Bob, he didn't, he didn't. Uh, or he's asked to confront Park about gossiping about him when he didn't do it, okay? I mean, it's not that. It's deep. It's deep. My dad died when I was 13. That's a scar in my life. That was a deep wound in my life. That caused me great pain at different points in my life. It's not as simple as you telling me to read scripture. It's deeper than that. I have to dig a little deeper into that wound at some point in my life after that happens and have somebody heal me. And, and primal scream has to do with that deep wound healing. In medicine, for instance, you probably all learned of this from somebody in your life. If somebody has a deep wound, they often don't close it right away. They don't stitch them up. No, they might add a few stitches down deep in the wound and hold the, the rest of it in with tape, but let it air, let it breathe, so that the healing occurs from deep in and without. If you don't do that, you close the wound here, infection breathes down there, you have abscess, you have difficulty, okay? There are times when we have deeper issues as followers of Christ, deeper dirt man issues, deeper hurts and things we deal with, and I have to be careful. I have to just be careful. I don't say to somebody, hey, buck up, read scripture. And even though it's a great box, okay, don't tell them, just put it in a box, this will go away. That won't go away. The other ones will. The ones that you're worrying about that you've already committed to the Lord and he's already working on, he will solve them. He can solve them. But the deeper issues, and that's one thing they did have right. Uh, and it reminds us of a couple things for us. Uh, and also these scars, these wounds and scars take longer to heal. They don't heal quickly. In other words, uh, I, I took a chunk of skin off this, uh, this uh, thumb here uh, about eight weeks ago. It surprised me. It was pretty deep. It was still there, you know, until just a week and a half ago. All right? But it wasn't a deep slice into my flesh. Would have, would have taken quite a longer. And so if our hurts in life are deep, we were reborn. But we still need steps of renewal as we walk through life on a daily basis. Right. We have to live with rebirth in our back and as our base and then go into some of the renewal steps. So I've already mentioned that we have to be careful what we do counsel people about dealing with hurts and make sure we're not giving them the surface language for a deep hurt. And if somebody has a deep hurt, we need to help them find deep help. And uh, counseling is a difficult thing. Uh, being counseled is a difficult thing. Uh, you know, going through the process. Uh, my youngest sister went through, and this is not a lie, literally 100 counselors in her lifetime. Whoa. She wasn't, there was problems we won't go into. The point is it wasn't that simple and it was deep issues and it got complicated. So what am I saying? I'm saying that there are times when I can't do it myself. There's sometimes when I just need Dwayne or Bob or Justin or one of you to walk me through something, just to remind me, smack me in the face a little bit and remind me, and then help me with some steps. There are times where you don't want to take responsibility for it because it's a deeper issue, and we want to find somebody that's in the Christian realm that actually helps in a way that understands the issues of, of deeper hurts. So <clears throat> the other thing I want to remind myself, and I already reminded you today, but sometimes the deep issues that we deal with, they aren't hurts to us. They're the hurt of guilt, all right? I have failed many people miserably. It's life. I mean, sometimes I'm reacting at a very surface level and I bark back. That's a surface level hurt. 
Sometime I could have helped and I didn't perceive it or perceived it and didn't do it. And that's a, a, a more, I'm more accountable for that hurt. Uh, sometimes in life we have to just admit that we missed an opportunity to be somebody's solution at a certain time. And we didn't. So, and we, we live with that. And that's where I remind myself not to get off the hook, but that just as God can help me, the dirt person, but reborn, renew, and be healed and live beyond, the Holy Spirit can help them. And I'm praying, I'm praying that anybody in life that I have failed that I don't know about, because, you know, we, we try to make right what we know about, uh, that the Holy Spirit is, is working in them and, and through them. So, I got some bad news for you. The bad news is that I don't have to go anywhere today until about 5 o'clock. <laughs> and I'm only on page 4. No, I'm just teasing. We're, 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 we're getting there. Uh, and I also remind myself that the Holy Spirit is more powerful uh, than everything. That God is more powerful than, than everything. And, and he can use different things. I want to spend just a couple minutes on resilience. The, the idea of spiritual resilience. The, able, the ability to tap into your spiritual preparations that are already part of your life and climb up over an obstacle. And everything you mentioned as far as things that help you through any kind of a challenging period or difficulty, every one of them should be on any list that's created because they're all solid stuff. And I love uh, what Aaron shared. You know, the, the, the mechanical tools, you know. Uh, I'm not allowed to use illustrations of my family, but what I will. What did she share? She, she shared the uh, prayer box. Oh, yes. I have a concern. I'm going to put it in that box. I'm going to say, Lord, it's yours. I'm not thinking about it while I go to sleep. It's yours. Okay. Or the prayer wall, which is more answers to prayer maybe. Okay. Where, where I, I pray for this, and then I track it, and I see some of those answered in the way I thought I would. We're not, we're not going to see them all answered. And some of them will die, and they won't have been answered because we won't have known, maybe. But the point is that that mechanical process, you know, and the only thing I'm allowed to Cheryl about Cheryl about Cheryl in my talks is something really positive and good. So it took me a few weeks to catch on that on, on the sink upstairs, which she uses mostly in the bathroom, there's a little red rock. And, you know, I'm not too OCD, just a little OCD, and I normally put that where rocks belong, probably, you know. So, <laughs> I had to have a conversation, though, because I've learned, hey, just curious about the rock, you know. <laughs> well, it was in a, a woman's Bible study. It was used as a reminder, and it has spe special significance to a scripture. And that was one of her mechanisms for daily reminder of the Lord's presence and purpose in certain things in our life, okay? So, so building resilience. So what is resilience? Resilience is defined as the ability to recover, regain our balance and focus, and keep moving forward by using resources in and around us at the time of the challenge. Now, in education, uh, we focus on, okay, we, we look at each child, and we say, what does that child, what assets do they have in their life that will help them climb up out of any difficulty they have? What, what do they have? Do they have family, yes or no? Sometimes it's a no. Uh, do they have other caring adults? Do they live with Graham, who is educationally cool and helps them educationally, yes or no? You go down the list and you find out what their assets are, and then you try to build assets into them, okay? If you apply that to the spiritual world, first of all, we know that the world has no there's no way they can solve these totally because spiritual assets are at the core of everything in life, including education. Uh, but if you look at it from our perspective, what spiritual assets have we developed, has the Lord given us, 
that we can tap into each time we have a problem and we need renewal or we need healing. And so we, we need to build those assets. Uh, you know, and we're going to think normally of the, the ones we talked about. In other words, you know, scripture in your mind, no question, it helps. Uh, daily presence in the Word, no, no, everything we mentioned, the prayer, everything we mentioned works. Sometimes we come up a little short, though, in realizing that we have to really look at the answered prayers on that wall and the things that you already shared that God used in the past to help us or things we heard Dave say or Wayne say or Aaron say that helped them. Hmm, I never thought of that. It's not on my list. I'm going to do that. Okay, that is preparing for the dirt person uprising that's going to happen. Okay, it's going to happen. Uh, so I wrote down a couple, uh, and we've already mentioned these. Reviewing past blessings and successes that God gave us. I had a challenge. I went through the process. I trusted him. I went to, to a brother to get you know, some words of wisdom on this. I, I read about it, and, and I succeeded. I need to remember to do that again. Uh, remember what God used to help us before and what he's used for others. We've already talked about that. And then reminding uh, about earlier challenging experience. And I forget this. I just forget this. But sometimes they last forever. One of my life challenges lasted for eight years. I prayed it would go away. It didn't go away. Paul prayed his one thorn in the flesh would go away. And it never went away. But the point is, I need to remember that sometimes it takes time. And every one of us faces some situations where we want the switch to turn and things to be back to normal. They cannot if they can, it will take time. It's a dimmer switch. It's not the flip switch, okay? And it's going to have to be, the Lord's going to have to use things to rebuild opportunities. And we all understand that our failings sometimes have consequences, consequences that are physical here and now. And <clears throat> we have to figure out how we're going to adapt and be renewed in light of those, those limitations. But just a reminder, we don't need to be spiritually reborn we need to remind ourselves about it. And yeah, at certain points in life, I questioned, and we should question ourselves and say, was it real? I mean, let me just ask, was it real or not? You know, you can't ask about me. I can't ask about you, but I can ask about me. And I can go back and relive those moments on the railroad tracks, outside of my college dorm, walking at two in the morning, saying, I don't know, God. I'm doubting so much, I don't know. Knowing that I had. But having to review my rebirth and reinitiate the remembrance of that as something active in my life. So, I wanted us to be reminded today that we are justified. That means we're forgiven by God already. We're going to be sanctified someday. But in the meanwhile, we need the Holy Spirit. We need tools. We need each other. Uh, we need processes to help us be renewed. Uh, I want to remind us that God can do everything. There are at least ten Bible bringing back the lives in the Bible, and in addition to Jesus, there's a string of, of people that were brought back from life. So God has power over death. If he has power over death, he has power over my problem. Amen. It doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. He has power over it, and I'm going to claim it. Amen. And I'm going to claim it sometimes. And I think it was Bob who mentioned that Satan is at work. <clears throat> you know, I don't like to give him too much credit, because I can get in trouble all on my own. <laughs> but once in a while, I have to shout at him. And that's my primal scream. It isn't the birth scream. It's my scream at Satan saying, get out of here. Amen. Okay? So, 
uh, I wanted to remind us too that we've been reborn, but we will have current failures. Uh, we just need to be able to deal with them. We need to control, claim the control of the Holy Spirit's power in our life. We need to use Jesus' name, and I mean literally use Jesus' name in the power of Jesus. Please help me not. You know, help me not think, help me not say, help me not do. Remember to identify uh, the real sources of our feelings or problems because have you noticed how things are all linked together sometimes? I can be much more quick to get excited and upset about something if it's an area where I was previously offended or hurt. If somebody always corrected my language as a child, don't even think about correcting my language. See what I mean? I, I'm sensitive to that. No, well, I'm not. But the point is it can be that way, okay? Yeah, we, we need, to, we need to, to grasp that I might be reacting because of something I was renewed from, but it still has some things hanging on. Uh, we need to claim the, the power of the Holy Spirit, the Scripture, the Word of, of Jesus, and not forget our church family friends. Having said that, we need to claim uh, the power of the Holy Spirit, shout at the devil once in a while, and then we need to feel forgiveness and healing, renewal, and a fresh rebirth uh, into a place of peace. Uh, when I go to bed, I don't have the prayer box, but I like to say, hey, Lord, I'm giving it to you. I'm going to bed. You know, I, 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 can't, I can't think about it. It's not going to solve anything. I can't worry about the grandkids. It's not going to solve anything. But I am, I'm, I'm telling you, don't, I know you don't worry, but it's all your problem now. <laughs> okay? Uh, and, and then go to bed. Uh, I wanted to remind us without going there, Romans 6, verse 1 to 10, that we are no longer slaves to sin. I do have power over sin. I do have power with uh, the Holy Spirit working in me to, to uh, rise up against all of this. I wanted to remind us about Romans 3, 21 to 23, and the main reason I put that in here is because the scripture says people are not different. Color, race, religions, they all need Jesus. They're all in his image. They're all equal to me in God's sight. I need to live that way every day, and I need to help those around me that don't see that uh, to, to be able to, to say that. So, uh, uh, one, one last scripture you can put up, Lisa, if you will. Uh, Romans 12, 9 to 13. And again, I printed it out here is why I'm reading in the paper. It says, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. Okay? Not outdo one another in accomplishing more, having more, being more, looking. No, no. Uh, but in showing one another honor. Do not be soft, slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. A couple summary statements. We need to constantly remind ourselves that we have been reborn, uh, and God has already accomplished our salvation. We need to acknowledge that every day we're going to fail. Every day we're going to be bumped, we're going to be hurt, and sometime in the next couple years, it's very, very likely I'm going to be at the end of a rope somewhere, frustrated about something, feeling helpless, you know, uh, and sometimes looking for the tree, Okay? I've had those times in life. I had a couple times where I literally picked out the tree I was going to run into. And at those moments, we have to have a system built. The Lord has to be there. Uh, but when we get to those points, we're, they're going to have them. So the point is not that they're going to happen or not, but be ready and be focused on, on what we can do. 
Uh, and then avoid thinking about being a slave to any of this. There's no excuse for it. You know, I, I, I can't. I'm not a slave to anything. The Lord's given me freedom over that. It's just a matter of me positioning myself in His grace. Uh, build resistance, resilience and use each other for that. Uh, and then the last one is to be real with each other. <clears throat> you know, I mean, yeah, you got to think once in a while, he's 70, he had no challenges. He doesn't even have the strength to sin. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, no. In other words, you know, be real. All right, there's nobody in the room that isn't still a dirt man, dirt woman. Uh, we're going to struggle, that's okay. Uh, so when I come in and Dave says share praises and whatever's, uh, I'm not saying we should all reveal our latest sin, you know, but we just got to be real with each other, knowing we're all real people with real challenges, with real struggles, and we've everybody failed yesterday, and everybody's forgiven it already, and we just need to renew, and then we need to help each other, okay? And grow in grace together is a phrase I've loved forever since some particular church kind of embedded it in me, but we, we need to be gracious people that can accept, that can forgive, that can let it bounce off without taking hurt from it and then growing beyond it. So let me a word of prayer. Father, uh, we, we have before us uh, what seems an impossible task, but it's not. It's impossible to live without sin right now in our lives. We know that. But it's not impossible for us to ask your help on those occasions and for you to help us resolve issues, heal from issues, make corrective steps for issues, and work. And it's not impossible for us to get better in the sense that we can be more Christ-like. We can conquer an area and move on and maybe struggle in a different area. But Father, we know that we can sense growth, we can sense purpose, and we can sense peace. And that's what I'm praying for today. Uh, purpose and peace for all of us as we go and uh, enter our world again. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen.